Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another season of the Dribble Podcast. My name is Craig O'Donoghue from the West Australian newspaper, and I'm looking forward to another season of talking to guests from the Perth Wildcats, Perth Lynx, and WA Basketball in general to give you the best insight possible into what's happening in the sport throughout this state. It is an exciting week. The NBL season begins this weekend, and one of the biggest differences you will see with the Perth Wildcats on Sunday is this man. The first guy in NBL history to hit 10 three-pointers in a playoff match. Yes, he was a hell of a player, and now he's hoping to become one hell of a coach. He is the new Wildcats coach. His name is John Rilly, and I'm pleased to say he is in the studio with me today. John, welcome to the Dribble Podcast. Appreciate you inviting me in, Craig. Uh, always anxious to be the first guest on this well-thought-out program. <laughs> so you've been working in the U.S. from 2010, really, as an assistant coach, while also being part of the Boomers coaching system. Yep. Before you really got this opportunity, talk about the challenges of being a first-time head coach when a lot of people have gone through a system where they've done it at a lower level Mm -hmm. instead of being an assistant coach all the way through before suddenly having the spotlight on them. Yeah, look, I I think the biggest challenge is figuring out when you feel like is the appropriate time to take that next step because if you do want to become a head coach, someone has to see you as a head coach. So preparing yourself so someone believed in what you felt inside you. Uh, and that look, that took some time because when you transfer from being a player to a coach, it is a lot different. So I reckon we'll use the headline, 50-year-old coaching virgin at some point, like, like the movie 40-year-old virgin, possibly tomorrow, actually. Um, what's the biggest challenge from a, a courtside perspective when you're suddenly in charge on the day? What, what do you have to get your head around the most? Yeah, the, the thing that I've learned the most as a coach is you got to trust your players. So like the Monday to through Friday is building that trust, putting them into situations where they can be successful because uh, once the ball's thrown up, you're really in in the hands of your players and you hope you have the right ones making the plays for you. So from a game day perspective, I I find the basketball coaching side of things really fascinating compared to a lot of other sports where AFL, they're in a box up in the grandstand, they've got a thousand statisticians in there and they're feeding all this information. You're making decisions on the fly a lot of the time how do, how do you work out what you want to do at certain points at the moment what, what what's your thought process yeah there's a lot of thinking that goes into it uh you're thinking about offense you're thinking about defense you're thinking about matchups how do you get someone like bryce cotton involved in the game more if he's got off to a slow start defensively they might be beating us on something that we felt really good about before we went into the game and they're just uh, bamboozling us so uh, making those decisions but uh, you also need to have an understanding of the flow of the game although the scoreboard mightn't reflect how you're playing the flow of the game might be more your tempo than the opposition's. so understanding that over time the pace of the game will actually re- reflect nicely on the scoreboard so you get the, the the stats sheet at quarter time all the time do you have someone monitoring anything to, to tug you on the on the on the jacket and say boy you need to know about this right now or, or is it all in your head that you're figuring it out as you go Look, I lean on my assistants for the statistics because uh, just like my playing days, I lent on my feel for the game, my IQ for the game, and I'm very much the same in my beginning as a head coach. Uh, So I don't want to lose the flow of the game, but we certainly have barometers statistically that we gauge, and I lean on the assistants for those things. 
So Mike Kelly is one of your assistants, and he did, did the exact same path as you. Went and did a lot of assistant coaching, and his first gig as a head coach was in the NBL. How beneficial has it had to have someone who's been through what you're going through now on your staff? Yeah, very fortunate that I, you know, I knew Mike from the periphery during our playing days, uh, and then when we were both doing the hard yards in college basketball, you know, our rapport grew a little stronger. Um, so having someone that's been through it, he's been an NBL coach of the year with Cairns Taipans, to have him there to be able to say hey you need to pull back you need to ride it a little bit more uh, or just generally encouraging because if anyone knows Mike he's a very positive person. Now if you can hear some clicking in the background as you're listening to this it is our photographer Kelsey Reid dominating here with their, with their shots so don't be wondering what, what all, all of that is in the background. Uh, you, you appear to be an emotional bloke during games you were emotional when you are a player it was a great part of your personality on the court you've had a couple of tech fouls already it's been an interesting start how are you handling that side of the game look as as far as i as as i navigate my way through this um those are the things that you got to figure out uh sometimes you need your team needs a little of a lift sometimes i might need a little <laughs> little bit of a lift but it's also uh you know the the game it can be manipulated so sometimes, you know, you're trying to get, get the, the referees on your side or you're trying to make it a point. Um, so that's just part of the game and a bit of byplay within it all. Have you always been a white line fever sort of person? Are you a different person from tip off to the end of the game or, or, or do you feel like your personality matches you regardless? Uh, no, I would, I would say any time some type of competition is on the line, whether I don't want to use white line fever, but we'll go with that since that's what you like. But uh, definitely the intensity rises when there's a competitive nature to it. What I found only obviously wasn't in Darwin, but I was at the two preseason games. And the thing that stood out to me with watching your personality pre-game, post-game and during game was Trevor Gleeson started at eight from about two, eight out of ten from an in terms of intensity from two hours before the game and was still at an eight after the game was about a 12 during it. Scott was about a seven all the way through. You seem like a, a two before the game, up to ten and then straight back to two afterwards. You can really change your emotions really quickly depending on the situation. That's a skill, I reckon. Is that something that you've always been able to work out where you need to be? No, I, look, in, in my younger days, uh, I, I, I would have operated at like a 12 all the time, but you, you can't physically operate and you can't be in good well-being operating at that level all the time. You got to figure out what's important. And during the game, sometimes an assistant might say, hey, like this is really important. You need to make a point. But in, for me, making that point, it becomes null and void or a bit of white noise for the players. So I really want to make sure when I make a point, they understand that I'm making a point for a good reason, just not to hear my own voice. Who are your biggest influences in the way you coach? Oh, look, uh, my father, he, you know, he's always been around my basketball career, heavily influential. Uh, like, like my wife, you talk about the white line fever, so she brings a groundedness to it all and, you know, gives me some good good feedback about that and then look in my NBL career I played for some phenomenal coaches Brian Gorgian, Gordy McLeod like Phil Smythe uh, was very successful uh, at Adelaide and then the two guys I worked for in college Leon Rice and Joe Pasenek such opposites but it was great for me to be around guys that operated so differently so I could understand what worked for me and what what wasn't really in my realm. So you were so close to getting this job last year when, when Scott got it. What did you did you change much in between those two seasons at all? Did you change the way you presented the second time around, having been runner up effectively the first time? I, look, I guess I guess I just was a little more assertive and aggressive, and I made them understand that I would like the job. Uh, where the first time, I guess you could say, 
I, I wanted the job, but I didn't make that probably felt the same type of way I did the second time around. So let's get on to some of your players, and we'll start with the man who had his NBA draft dream come true earlier this year. Luke Travers, the guard out of Australia, Bobby. Played for Perth, averaged around uh, seven points per game last year, 20-year-old, 6'7", 210 wing. Don't you think they need one more core piece? He did get a core piece. Right. It just happened to come with the 56 pick. The quick hands by Travers to the hole. Larry Bird. He does have that Got the floppy little hair. The mustache. Number 33. Yeah, he's certainly captured a lot of attention overseas already, which is fantastic. We've known about him for a long time. Um, he used to be nervous. He doesn't look nervous anymore. It's amazing. Like, have you seen an, a big difference? I suppose you didn't know him last year, but have you have you seen over the course of the preseason a difference in the way he approaches things at all? Yeah, look, everyone's curious about the development of Luke Travers. I think maturity is a wonderful thing. He's been in the league for a number of years now. He's been around some different coaches, so that builds up a little bit of scar tissue. Uh, then getting drafted on top of that, performing well at summer league so that's where he's just confidence is coming out of him but you know he's becoming an experienced basketball player although he's still very young in age so the Cavs sent a G League boss to Darwin to watch him and they'll be over here at different points of the season what's the relationship like with yourselves in Cleveland and how you're working out what you want him to do plus what they want him to do yeah look Danny Mills is the one that has a good relationship with the Cavs I'm just understanding what their expectation of him is and meeting those guys uh, I think the beauty of his game uh, because it is versatile Th that's why I'll play in the NBA. So he just, I always talk to him, you're, you're good at what you do, you need to become elite. And we just need to keep getting the consistency. And I've made a comment several times already, like he showed glimpses of what he can become as a basketball player. Now he needs to stack games on each other's end for him to become like a consistent high-level performer. How big is it for him to have a stat like steals as, a, as an example his defensive work has been remarkable as a team last year they had uh so as a team during the preseason he had 43 steals across the five games and he had 30 13 of them he had 26 all of last season mm -hmm. so th th when you look at it he's almost had half he's had half the number of steals as he did in 28 games in five matches and uh, just on a third or so of your steals it's a tough skill to learn it's a tough tough skill to work on where's that element of it come from is it, is it a focus with his mind that makes him go i'm just going to hone in on this part of it uh Look, he, he's got a unique ability to sense the play. Um, now, in saying that, uh, one of the things that I've been consistent with is what I'm demanding of them from a defensive standpoint. Um, so hopefully that rubs off putting his IQ with that. I think that makes for a good recipe. But also his teammates understand, like, that's a difference maker. Uh, that Luke can bring to the team. So uh, just like on offense, you play to people's strengths defensively, the same thing. Your ability to hurt teams when you win, when you win the ball, like, but from a turnover perspective, um, last year the team was negative 36 points compared to the opposition for turnover scoring. Across five preseason games, you're in the positive by 58 this mm -hmm. year. You, they averaged 12 points per turnover last year. You're at 24 this year. They're wild figures. Like It's a dramatic difference. Your speed is there. How are you punishing teams so much. Can you explain what, how you think you're able to do that at the moment? 
good scheduling. <laughs> no, look, look it, it goes back to what, what you practice is what you're probably going to take onto the, on, onto the game floor. And we've spent a lot of time at the defensive end uh, simplifying rules and expectations and uh, really just, as I said, simplifying what we want at that end without confusing guys. So if we talk about another player, uh, we've got Luke Travers with, as the man with the mullet. We've also got a man with a very large beard. Let's talk about this bloke. Slam down! Manic with a grown man's jam! How's Brady Manic going? He's arrived with a big reputation as a three-point shooter. Yep. He's struggled with that at the moment, three from, from 23 throughout the preseason. Not easy arriving in a different country. How, how is he, he adapting to it all? No, look, he, he's been trending very well. And obviously, when you're a pro athlete, you get measured with your success when the games roll around. Uh, but what I can tell you, what I talked to him about is water finds its level. And you look at Brady Manning over his basketball career, he has been an exceptional shooter. He will be an exceptional shooter for the Perth Wildcats, so I'm not worried about that. Uh, the things that also probably play into it, he used to be the oldest guy on his team. Now he's the youngest guy. He's never been around teammates with kids that talk about family and all of that kind of stuff. So it, it's a different dynamic for him to get used to. Um, but his maturity and the way he approaches uh, basketball on a daily effort is, look, it, it will come. How challenging is it to move? Like, I was 24 when I moved to Perth, but I, I, I was just coming for a job where no one would really be talking about me much. He's got everyone focusing in on him. He's moving to a different country. Yep. Um, first time as a pro, all, all that sort of stuff. How difficult is it, do you reckon, for anyone that age to move to, to a new country and just start afresh? It looked very tough. Uh, his family background, very close family, small town Oklahoma, grew up together. Um, parents missed maybe one of his college games he played a lot of games in five years in college his parents missed one game so now he moves a million miles away and his parents aren't going to be there for every game so that that's a different dynamic that he gets used to so uh for us as a team and as a staff we have to help him through that um, and I think we got a great group to help him through that as well. And he's, he, look, he's done an amazing job uh, forming relationships with his teammates as well. And having spent a decade or so in the college system, how, how, big, is it, how big is the gap? Like, what should people, people – we have a lot of expectations on players when they arrive, but what is the gap, do you reckon? Uh, so the biggest thing, and, and just talking to Brady as well about this, in college, you pretty much, as a coach, you organise a student-athlete's day. You figure out a way to fill in their day so they can't get sidetracked. They got academics, they got meetings, they got lifting, they got practice, then they got something else. Study hall. Where he comes here, we practice, we lift, he gets a few extra shots up, and his day's done. And he's got no one else around to support him except for his teammates. That's a huge change. Imagine you at 24 just moving without just having to figure it out. It's tough. You know, so that's where he's at right now. So who does he who does he hang out with the most? Has he, has he got his, his click at the moment that, he, that he's found? Because it is quite a mature team. Yeah, look, uh, he's he's gravitated towards Mitch Norton and uh, Jesse Wagstaff. Uh, but in saying that, uh, Tayshawn, um, Thomas and uh, Corey Webster and him, like, not that those guys are single, but they're here without their families right now. So socially and going and grabbing food and stuff like that. Um, you know, so th this is a beauty of the Perth Wildcats team is guys, guys can mingle with each other in different situations. And I think that's, that's somewhat unique in a professional forum. 
you arrived to a really bizarre situation with everything, everything that was going on with the changes, obviously change of coach, but change of CEO and people moving around and stuff, and you must have wondered at some point, what the hell's happened? Uh, it's obviously a big weekend for the club, having missed finals last year. Have you felt anything at all from a hangover perspective of what happened with them last year? Or as a fresh person who didn't experience it, does it feel normal still? There's no normal when you're around the Perth Wildcats as far as the expectation. Uh, do you feel it? Absolutely, because it's it's a huge talking point when when a 35-year streak gets snapped. Um, you know, there's a lot of questions asked. Now, can I help that? Did I play a part in it? No, but you have to respect what it has created. Uh, and, you know, for me, giving faith to the Red Army is important to me. So... Uh, building a team and a brand that they they're happy to uh, call their own is is really important to me. Does it have you spoken to anyone in there about the, the, the stress levels being off or the pressure being off in, in a way like 2016 that last game they had to win to get into the finals when they ended up winning the championship mm-hmm. it was close and players looked ill on the bench watching because they couldn't they, they couldn't control anything at that point and yep. it felt like the stress levels were through the roof last year as well you must be the don't be the people who ruin this streak sort of scenario now that that's gone. Is it a little bit easier for them to just play and be like everybody else in a way? Uh, no. Why I say no is I have my own expectations, uh, and and that was appealing about the Perth Wildcats, the expectation that the franchise has for themselves. I have those expectations of myself. What you have to do is you fi- have to find the balance, and throughout the season, you're going to have your ups and downs. So how do you navigate that without getting too high, too low, uh, invested in the right and the wrong things. So for me, finding that balance, uh, you know, where everyone can see what we're trying to do and where we'll end up at the end of the day. So you got your season launch on Wednesday night. Hutchie will be over here um, as the Sports Entertainment Group CEO to, to be part of the, 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 the team environment, uh, which he hasn't, wasn't able to do a fair bit of last year. Do you have much of a relationship with him or does he leave you alone? Uh, look, it, we can pick up the phone and talk to each other. I was fortunate enough uh, to be in person during the interview process, so build a relationship uh, with him that way. Uh, Summer League, he come through Vegas to sit down with Danny Mills and myself, uh, and then we've had several phone conversations. So, um, y- y- you know, whatever you want to, whatever type of rapport you want to call that, but uh, you know, very accessible. Well, it'll be nice to be in a face-to-face environment with, with the boss, yep. if, you, if you want to call him the boss. Will that be nice tomorrow night to be able to have a, a social gathering with, with, with him given he's on a different side of the country? Yeah, look, and any time you can do that, especially with the change that has gone on with the Perth Wildcats, with ownership, with the CEO and all of that type of stuff, the more times you can be uh, face-to-face and, and creating our own uh, culture, so to speak, uh, it, it's never a bad bad time. Let's talk a bit about Sunday. Aaron Baines will be coming to town. You know him very well, obviously, from, with your time at the Boomers. How tough is he going to be to counter? Yeah, look, uh, his resume speaks for itself. You know, great college career, internationally, NBA. Um, so he brings a presence about himself, um, and that's that's what the Bullets have done with himself, Tyler Johnson, uh, Nathan Serby, Jason Kadee, like uh, Kendrick Walker, uh, Walker uh, Devondrick Walker, um, you know, so they, they've built a great roster um, and Baines, you know, Baines is leading the charge with that. So someone like him, he's very different to the rest of the league, it feels like. He's almost the, the beast that he is. Mm-hmm. Like, is it different when you're preparing for someone like that compared to a lot of the other teams? Uh, look, for, for us and where we are right now, it's more about how we prepare. 
um, and that's been our mindset so far. Now, scouting will come a little bit more into it, but I really want us to have a mindset and the way we play more than who we're playing. We're not going to, uh, we're going to respect their strengths, their weaknesses and all of that type of stuff. But I, I really want to make sure we understand what we're trying to achieve right now. Do you have, do you, it's obviously early, you've got many days until Sunday, but do you expect to have the full roster available? I've asked you this before and you weren't sure. What do you, yeah, where is right now? No, look, uh, I think we're really heading in the right direction with that. Uh, you know, I, I just left practice not too long ago uh, and we had all hands on deck at practice. That's a good start, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you haven't had that yet. <laughs> One of the things I think Wildcats fans have really enjoyed about you so far is that you've gone out of your way to make sure that you understand the history and you've brought players back to training. We saw Ricky Grace uh, there a couple of weeks ago, St Paul Rogers there as well, and there'll be, I'm sure there'll be plenty of people there on, on Wednesday night as well. How, how important was it for you to embrace that the former players who you played against and might have clashed with as well yep. to, to, to feel part of this environment? Yeah, look, it's only my own personal philosophy, but so many people before this current team have put a lot into getting this franchise where it is and what it's revered for and all of that. They should never feel like they can't be around the franchise or they don't feel welcome or probably the wrong word, but I want them to know that they're just as much a part of the team as anyone else because they've had a lot to do with the history of the club. It's been a massive off-season for basketball throughout WA. First, there was this. Warwick Senators are your 2022 NBL 1 National Women's Champions. It's the Rockingham Flames from the NBL 1 West that are champions of the nation. NBL 1 West does the double. They win the women's, they win the men's, and they knock over the Frankston Blues 85-74. to Yes, congratulations to the Warwick Senators and Rockingham Flames for not only being crowned NBL One West champions, but for also travelling to Victoria and winning the inaugural NBL One national titles. It's, it's massive for the state, isn't it? You're big on going to the NBL One West games. It, it's, it was fantastic for what we can now see coming through. Yeah, really enjoyed uh, watching a lot of NBL One games when I first got to Perth. At first, I wanted to see what was in the landscape. And look, at the end of the day, there's three locals on the Wildcats roster, and then we got several development players and so forth. Um, so I'd, I didn't want to, um, I wanted to hit the ground running, understanding the local knowledge, and then for them to go to the national championships and both on the men's and women's side to win really reflects like how good the sport's going in this state and for Perth Lynx fans reigning MVP and last season's import Jackie Young added a WNBA championship with the Las Vegas Aces to her NCAA championship and Olympic gold medal it's a fair resume Um, you're in Vegas for summer league obviously the Aces had more than 50,000 people on the Las Vegas strip they shut it down from Caesars Palace to the Bellagio like, for what was their party afterwards. You could imagine what it'd be like in Vegas for that sort of party on the street, couldn't you? Sounds like you're in Vegas, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> and certainly last but not least, there's the Australian Opals at the World Cup at the, uh, at the moment, including these two women. Whitcomb sets up for three. They don't oh. get the place rocking. Garvin gets a look. And That's what it. she does. That's what Garvin gives you. Yes, WA heroes Sammy Whitcomb has been extraordinary and Darcy Garvin, the Lynx captain last year and Rockingham girl, has seized every minute on court. Now, we're recording this a few hours before their final game of the group stage and it'll be uploaded after that, which makes us 
hard for us to do justice to us in this setting, but seeing 9,000 people at every single Opals game has been amazing. Uh, how have you seen their progress and performances as someone who's been involved with them at the Olympics as part of that na- the national scene at the time? Yeah, look, always good to see uh, the women's team going strong. From my understanding, they'll qualify for the quarterfinal. Where they fit in that is, is to remain to be seen with other results. Uh, Sandy Brondello, the head coach, she's a fellow Queenslander, so I'm always keeping an eye on on uh, how they're doing and look it's exciting obviously Lauren Jackson creates a great buzz around that as well. Got your boy here today how's how's the family settling in? Well he he arrived uh, about 10 hours ago so he's probably operating on fumes but uh, I'm I'm happy to have some company. Has that been hard not not having him here? Uh, It's been extremely hard Um, you know they're they're a great uh, balance in my life Uh, in saying that it has allowed me to hit the ground running and you know really sink my teeth into the Wildcats. Three kids? Three kids. Ages? Uh, 15, 18 and 21 so I only have one left in high school so she will transition over here uh, sometime in the near future. And what's he going to do? Stay off the streets of Perth. <laughs> <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't even look like walk, moving closer to the microphone, did he, just then? Uh, now, welcome to Australia. Welcome to Perth. Well, look, thanks, <laughs> thanks to both of you for coming in. It's been great dealing with you so far. You've been awesome. Um, and I'm sure Wildcats fans will embrace every second of you being here for the entire duration of hopefully the next 10 years and bringing them lots of championships as well. Now, that's it for this episode of the Dribble Podcast. Remember, you can read all of your basketball news in the West Australian newspaper and keep logging on to thewest.com.au. Thank you for John really for turning up today. Thank you for the magnificent Kate Ryan for all of her production work and for Kels for taking all these photos that you'll be seeing in the online version. The NBL season begins this weekend. It is the Perth Wildcats versus the Brisbane Bullets at RAC Arena on Sunday, so get there. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Dribble Podcast.